Welcome back to our Weird History episode, where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. Before we get into dis- discovering what topic we are talking about, hmm, I, just, I just don't know, because hmm. I really don't actually know. I find out the day this is recorded, guys. I, I never know. Nope. But before that, please leave us a rate and review. Give us a little review so that we know what you think and also it helps people find us also if you'd like to contact us our email is history explains all at gmail.com and we also have our social medias if you want to contact us facebook and instagram which are both history explains it all underscore podcast where we do a today in history archaeology in the news we're about to start kind of posting pictures and and things that we have seen that we've been to historical sites or we went to a museum and we saw something really cool so we're going to start doing those too that'll be upcoming stay tuned we've got lots of pictures on that end (laughs) you think we're not history nerds enough that we don't go to museums of course we do i work in one you work in one i used to work in one with you Mm -hmm. And I used to visit them all the time. I mean, I grew up in D.C. If you're a history nerd for general history, the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area is perfect. Yeah, I lived in D.C. for a year and a half and constantly went to the Smithsonian museums all the time. They're also free, which is great. Yeah, it is. Before I get started on the topic... It's speaking of reviews, so on our coffee episode, because um, we occasionally, occasionally, depending on the episode, I'll pull it out a poll for Spotify listeners, and I put one out saying, "Do you like coffee, tea, both or none?" And we had a overwhelming hundred percent for both. Good choice. And Spotify now also allows you to leave reviews, and so we have one from a Michael Hine who says, "Nice cast." I often enjoy lattes. It was a very stimulating conversation. And if I have black coffee or if I have high quality coffee, I like to drink black. And given that look on your face, I'm assuming that's a coworker of yours. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know Michael Hine very well. <laughs> well, not very well. I've only been there a few months, but I come into contact with him quite a few times a day, walking around the building where I work. I was like, if it's not one coworker commenting on one social media, it's another of your coworkers commenting on the other social media. Apparently, they bother you at work. Or I'm sorry, bug you at work. I don't know about bother, but they they frequently come up to you at work. And uh, so far, the one that has been talked about the most between my coworkers has been on the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I just get, hey, cheese. Just get that yelled at me across the hall (laughs) the round g's in the white house i think that'd be stinky i think it'd be stinky too i don't disagree but i'm at work (laughs) i just can't help but laugh i'm just like you just yelled that out so loud stinky white house cheese what's up lord (laughs) Every day, 
all the time. No, I'm not not kidding. I'm kidding. Every not every day, but happens a lot. Well, I mean, it's good to know that your coworkers enjoy the show, which they seem to do. Oh, oh yes. So, Michael Hein today. So, just so you know, we're recording this on the day that our episode comes out on the Titanomachy, the Titans. Oh, I'm sorry. Yesterday, brain dead on the fact that today's Friday and not Thursday. And Michael Hein actually today came into where I work, the department where I work, and said, so the Titans, huh? Those came before the gods, right? It's <laughs> like, no, they were gods. They just came before the Olympian gods. <laughs> That's next for me to listen to. <laughs> okay. I feel like we maybe should plan another live on Instagram. But the boys need to show up. I can go around announcing it. Alive on Instagram. Alive on Instagram. (laughs) Show up this time. We just have to make sure it's like on a day that seems more realistic, I guess, for everyone. As well as, you know, a time and more notice than our last one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the weekend's always good. I think they just kind of sleep in on the weekends and are just dead. Maybe in the weekend in the evening. I mean, ask around. Your coworkers oh, definitely listen to some coworkers, and you know what? We can also make a post on Instagram and see what people say. What would be a good time? What what time do y'all prefer for an Instagram another Instagram live? I'll leave that to you. You're in charge. We are both in charge. You can do that. <laughs> you're in charge of the socials so yeah i'll do i'll post that this upcoming week just to get an idea how's that sam sure all right i think we were planning one for another month or two from now anyway yeah so before we get into this i saw today's penny university channel post (laughs) i I told you you love it (laughs) my butt off Wait, wait, do the, do our listeners know what Penny University is? Do we tell them? I'm not, we, we have kind of given them a clue, but let, let's give them a little more info on that too. You so right that they huh? You go right ahead. Well, Penny University is Melissa's upcoming channel. Well, it's out, but she needs to put some videos out for us. There's one video right now. I'm behind schedule. I know because I've been I'm like a month behind schedule right now. I got a little lazy. I've been patiently slash impatiently waiting for more. They're prepped and ready. Okay, so yeah, so it's like a okay for anyone who really obviously likes the weird histories. Essentially, I'm taking the weird histories and putting them into a video PowerPoint format on YouTube so you can have a visual format to go along with it. But it also has the Instagram channel. You're welcome to follow that. There's every Friday. It's Fun Fact Friday. Specifically, the one for today is Lauren's one of like something I knew she did not know about, but also she would absolutely freaking love because it's about Henry the Eighth. Well, it's indirectly related to Henry the Eighth in a certain way. It's a Tudor era issue. Era. I love Mm -hmm. the Tudor era. Of course I do. But go follow the Instagram Penny University because it's bomb. You can actually find it through our own channel because we we share it. Yeah. 
yeah every friday it's fun fact friday monday is a history meme and then if i have anything random i'll just post that during the week but today's fun fact friday post was about richard roos who was a cook to john fisher the bishop of rochester who was boiled alive thanks to henry the eighth due to the act of poisoning that's an interesting article the, the source is in the notes speaking Go of check it out yeah thanks speaking of would you like to get into this weird history because it's it's um quite nutty oh yeah i'm scared of the nutty reference now maybe maybe not let's get into it so i think many of us have heard those stories of people the the rumors of i think mostly guys guys who are off traveling alone to a country by themselves and the story goes they wake up in their hotel room in their bathtub in a tub of ice only to find out that one of their kidneys has been operated and taken out while they were asleep you've heard those stories I mean, there's horror movies just about that stuff. Oh, yeah. Tons of creepypasta, too. So there's those stories. And on a very similar line, there's also the stories, I think they mostly tend to come out of Asia, where it's, but not specifically, but in a general sense, that ingesting certain body bodily organs will have anti-aging properties will have a restoration of virility properties things like that i mean that's kind of been like a general ongoing thing throughout most of humanity if you want to gain the strength of the warrior you eat the warrior's heart kind of a thing but like with everything that's a rumor or a tale there's a kernel of truth somewhere and it has to start somewhere so let's get into one of those stories but does it? It has to somehow. We can always be a fibber. Well, this particular story, I'll, much like some of the other hoaxes we've covered, I could have sworn this one was a hoax, but there's police reports to back it up, newspaper reports to back it up, celebrity reports to back it up. So it's not, it's not fake. And at the same time, it just sounds like utter absurdity but it was real, but I don't, I don't even know how these come across my newsfeed, but I'm happy they do because they're crazy and I love it. But today's tale is all about the great testicle thieves of Chicago in the 1920s. Is this what the nutty reference was for? Yep, pretty much. I guess somebody lost their balls. More than one. Oh, dang. I feel sorry for all the dudes that will be listening to this episode now. I think they will physically feel pain. You, They might. They, they might. Oh, fair warning before we get in. It's not so much a graphic uh, descriptions as I go along with this, but they are a bit squeamish. So fair warning on that. But let's get in. But before we specifically talk about the testicle thieves of Chicago, let's go back to Europe about 20 years before, at the turn of the century. You have French, French physiologist Charles Edouard de Brun-Sicard, and he has just delivered a lecture to the La Société de Biologie in 1899 in Paris. 
And during his lecture, he purports that he was actually successful. The man's, I think, 72 at this point, and restoring his youth and vigor via the testicles, specifically by injecting himself with the, quote, crushed testicles of dogs and guinea pigs. Ouch. Ouch and gross. I'm more focused on the word crushed. Well, I'm assuming they were removed after death, but actually at that point, given the rest of this story, actually, who knows? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. You're, you're probably not. I wasn't. So Sikhan continues to claim that after the injection, he tested this theory of rejuvenation with an instrument called a dynamometer, which measures mechanical forces. And says that he used the dynamometer to see if his virility came back. Because I don't know that exactly that's what it's for, but that's what he claimed to do. And he claimed to the crowd that the meter showed the injection worked. And he also had gained muscular renewal as a result of this injection. Sounds like quackery. And you'd be right. Now, there were, of course, detractors to this theory. Notably, the Boston Medical and Surgical Journal, which stated, the sooner the general public and especially septuagenarian readers of the latest sensation understand that for the physically used up and worn out, there is no secret of rejuvenation, no elixir of youth. This is written 1899-1900. But of course, not everyone was also sharing in that sentiment either. There was an Austrian surgeon named Eugene Steinach who lived in Vienna, and he kind of thought there was something to Brown Sickard's theory that's worth noting, to con- and he continued to test it out. And he transplanted testes of a male guinea pig into a female and found that she began to behave with more guinea pig-like characteristics. But we'll have more on Steinach in a few minutes. The guinea pig's in there, though. Next, we see, I know, the look of disgust on your face. Just keep that look of disgust I'm also on your just, face. I'm also just confused. He, he put the testicles on a female guinea pig? Either I, miss- I, think, huh? I think he put them inside. The female guinea pig, but she was having more guinea pig-like reactions. Now, or male guinea pig reactions. Essentially, what we know now... He essentially increased the testosterone levels in the female guinea pig, having her to act a little more male-esque, like the male guinea pigs. Okay, I missed the male, more like a male guinea pig part. I missed the male part of that, Uh, where I was going, I'm confused. She was already a guinea pig, was she not? (laughs) Well, we leave the guinea pigs, and then we go into other animals. So let's jump into that next on the list here's sergey voronov who was a physician to the king of egypt in the early uh, 1900s which which, which one i have no idea look up whoever was the king of egypt in about 1918 (laughs) but voronov began testing his theory of grafting animal testicles onto human ones in order to regain their vigor this is what will be referred to as rejuvenation theory. And while in the employ of the king, Voronov also noted that the king's eunuchs 
were often sick and claimed that they aged far quicker than men with testicles. And he was actually able to test out his theory on animals in 1918 when he transferred a young lamb's testicles and grafted them into an old ram's testicles and then claimed that the old ram was now its much younger self, which of course we know that doesn't actually happen. Now, of course, claiming that it was successful from animal to animal, he now wanted to try it human to human. So he began to offer rich old men the chance to restore their youthful sexual drive by grafting them with the testes of young vigorous men. But obviously, no such young men were willing to participate, of course. Question or just discuss? Just, I'm, I'm just horrified. This is just the backstory. Of course, no young man is like, yes, I'll give up my balls. Right, no. Let me give up my balls so that this 70-year-old can live and have a more vigorous sex life than me. No. No. Yeah, absolutely not. Oh my God. No one's willing to do that. What the, oh my God. Are we going to find out what he did to the young men to give up their testicles? Are you going to tell us? No. Uh, the, the, the article I have didn't have mentioned anything like that, but it does mention what Voroff, Voronoff would later do, but it didn't involve vigorous young men. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it involved chimps and monkeys. Oh my God. Did he take the balls off of chimps and monkeys and put them on men? Rich old men. Yes. Oh my God. What the heck? Mm -hmm. that that even for okay that doesn't sound appealing for a woman to be having intercourse with a dude who has the balls of chimps and monkeys okay so i couldn't specifically because grafting is it's its own medical thing grafting could just be a slice of skin grafting doesn't necessarily mean an entire replacement so okay so he right. didn't he didn't take the full thing and put the full okay. i highly doubt it okay i, I highly doubt that but, Yo. but grafting is usually like uh like if you've got skin burns you might graft a slice of skin off from another section of yeah and then and do that so that you can start to heal the skin so yeah, i think that makes like sense that. i I think I would, if I was told, oh yeah, I have a bit of some chimpanzees balls grafted onto my own, I would still be like, mm, you can walk away now. Well, I can't tell if they were just medically grafted on or more like bronze guards with the injections of crushed balls. Because, I mean, and either way, this of course didn't work. Although it was more like a placebo effect and these guys think it worked, but we know medically it obviously never worked because that's not how testosterone works, which is funny enough. All of this that I'm getting into actually led to the discovery of the testosterone hormone and the replication of it, which is how we have testosterone therapy now. Yes, I do know. Yeah. Which I thought that was an interesting sort of ending side note to all this. 
Like you have to go through a whole bunch of crap to get to something good. Crap and quack. Now, there was also the American quote unquote doctor named John Brinkley, who obviously operated on hundreds of patients in America with a fake purchased medical license. Oh, sorry, going back to Voronoff for just a quick second. During the 1920s, when he started doing grafting ball surgery, it said that thousands of rich old men underwent this surgery, thinking it worked. And obviously it made Voronoff a heck of a lot of money. But he was also a physician to the king too, so he had a lot of connections. Ew. Yes. Ew is a bit more on the Brinkley side here. So Brinkley was known as, quote, the goat gland doctor because he specifically believed that grafting or inserting goat testes into humans was the specifically best choice for optimum vigor rejuvenation. I mean, why not do rabbits while you're at it? I don't know. Brinkley made a fortune. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the saying is you go at it like rabbits. Right. But maybe their balls are too small for humans. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost her. <laughs> just, just why did she have to say that right now? Because I just can't stop laughing. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, you'd have to grab both sets of balls onto the human to make it work, I guess. Should I continue? You just want to just put yourself on mute there for a second? I'm already muted. Keep going. Yeah, okay. I, I muted myself when I started coughing. You got it. So, Brinkley, though a fake doctor, made a fortune with this fake degree, operating on hundreds of people. And, of course, though he had a fake degree and didn't know what he was doing he also had a very high death rate and infection rate no surprise there eventually though brinkley was sued into bankruptcy particularly over i mean he operated on both men and women but particularly because of like the grafting stuff and obviously didn't work but dozens of his patients claimed that the surgeries like they got infected and they lost money and or families were suing him because their family member died because he obviously didn't know what he was doing. And it was only found out during the trial that he was a fraud. And in fact, the, the judge claimed him to be a charlatan and a quack and the ordinary, well understood meaning of the words. And he died a year later in poverty. Now let's get back to Steinock for a second <laughs> or a couple seconds. So Steinock started off first with the guinea pigs, which led to Voronoff working on chimps and monkeys because he couldn't find human subjects. And then Steinock came back and said, he, like, Voronoff's ideas were actually really good, but he had an even better idea now that he's seen supposedly all this working. He thought if you dammed off the seminal canal, the testes would produce more hormones. Now, side note, according to the source, at the time, doctors believed that there were two types of tissues within the testicles, the seminal tubes and the cells between them. And it was believed that both types of tissues required nourishment 
And if you reduce nourishment to one of them, it increases nourishment to the other. So if you decrease nourishment to the seminal tubes, it would increase this nourishment in the cell hormones, increasing the sex hormones. And with this, Steinock was apparently very successful. He actually wrote a book called Sex and Life. And in it, he wrote that his patients, and I have to read this verbatim, changed from feeble, parched, dribbling drones to men of vigorous bloom who threw away their glasses, shaved twice a day, dragged loads of up to 220 pounds, and even indulged in such youthful follies as buying land in Florida. I know Florida's full of follies, but I didn't realize that was the folly. But Florida man started somewhere, I suppose. But given his specialization technique, I mentioned there were celebrities involved. Would you like to hear about them? Of course. Of course. You'll recognize at least one of them. Maybe both. I don't know. One of them, now these, they weren't operated, both of them were not operated on by Steinock specifically, but on people that were trained under Steinock. So essentially the Steinock method, if you will. One of them was Sigmund Freud. Uh, uh, Okay, no words, never mind, just keep going. (laughs) When Freud had his operation, He was 67 years old and had it done with the hopes of improving his sexuality, his general condition, and his capacity for work. I think he also believed it might help cure his cancer. You're 67. You don't need virility at this point, dude. It's Freud. I know, but also that's not how you cure cancer. It's not how you carry his cocaine addiction either. Fair enough. <laughs> That's not how you cure anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> anything. The other celebrity that was mentioned is William Butler Yeats, the poet. Of course it was. Of course, there had to be a poet thrown in there. I'm sure. I feel like Freud probably considered himself to be poetical at times. Yeah, doesn't mean he actually was one. I didn't say that. But Yeats's story is a little extra odd, but I think worthy of Freud on, on that same sort of level. So Yeats was 69 when he had his surgery and claimed it revived my creative power. Also of note with that, why this was particularly so weird, the doctor who did the operation in order for Yeats to test out his new surgery, invited a 33-year-old woman, half Yeats's age, give or take, to have dinner with Yeats post the operation to see, to have Yeats test if the surgery was successful, if he had a sexual drive back. And according to Yeats, it was successful. He said it was like a second puberty. I don't know anyone who'd want to go through a second puberty. Oh, the idea of that is terrifying. 
I don't want to go through a second puberty ever. You can't make me go back in time to that time period of my life. You can take me and transplant me to another time as I currently am, but you may not make me go back in time. I will never, ever be 10 or 13 again. Heck no. Nope. Nobody wants that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> the only thing I want is second breakfast, not a second puberty. I'll have second breakfast with you. We, I mean, we, we can be uh, Mary and Pippin. What about second breakfast? Always room for second breakfast. Always. Always. I mean, I'm hungry again right now and I just ate dinner. I haven't eaten yet and I'm getting snacky, but uh, we'll finish this. Then I'll go. Maybe I might eat after this. We'll see how I'm feeling. <laughs> it's a good thing you ate now. So the Dublin paper, because Yeats is Irish and lived in Dublin, they also nicknamed him, and mind you, again, he's 69 years old. The Gland Old Man was now his nickname from then on because he was constantly saying, I got my virility back after having gland testicle surgery. Now, again, that's all backstory to what would be referred to as testicular rejuvenation theory. So the first story in Chicago broke out on October 15th of 1922. And the headline for the paper reads as such, because this is fantastic. Chicago physicians discover unique crime in first known human gland theft in history. Chicago stirred by gland pirates practice on war veteran abducted by four men comes out of chloroform to find himself robbed of life glands. There's the entire head, headline of the, the newspaper. Glam Pirates. That's a great name. Glam Pirates? Land Pirates. Oh my. Oh, I heard glam from you. I was like. I don't know where you're getting glam from. Glam. I don't either. I just, that's what came across the screen. Okay. Okay. Or my ears are broken. Okay. Leave my poor eardrums alone. I work I mean, in a warehouse. Glam pirate sounds like fun. It's kind of like if you take ale storm but mix them, I guess, with kiss. Hailstorm. <laughs> not 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 hailstorm, ale storm, the Scottish pirate band. I, I know I got it, but I'm oh, okay. changing it to kale storm since you combined it with kiss. Oh, kale I thought you were referring storm. to hailstorm with Lizzie Hale. No, oh hailstorm is awesome though. Oh yes. Well, once again, we're veering off topic here. <laughs> this first known gland pirate thievery was happened to war veteran named Joseph Wozniak, who was 34 years old, and apparently had also just recently moved to Chicago. And he reported the incident to the police and told them that though he had no memory of it, quote, when I came to, I was befuddled. I didn't know I'd been operated on. I thought I had a hangover. I had the taste of ether or chloroform in my mouth. I felt intense pain and then I went to the doctor to go see or go to the hospital to go see Dr. Sampolinsky. And according to the police report, was it uh, Wozniak told Dr. Sampolinsky who reported the case to the police that he was walking along a street when an automobile drew up. Four men leaped out, threw a bag over his head, 
dragged him into the machine. He was chloroformed, he said, and when he gained consciousness, he found himself on a sidewalk under a viaduct. The operation had been performed with expert skill. It was believed by the police that some wealthy and perhaps aged men benefited from this criminal action. Now, what I'm a little confused with this. Now, I'm not a guy. So I can't attest to any of this. But Wozniak was in intense pain after waking up from what he thought was a hangover to find that his balls had been surgically removed while he was under drugged. He became an involuntary eunuch. Yes. But no, I've never walked around with testicles. So, but how do you not notice they're missing? If you're, he's, he said, I was walking around for hours and the, the pain just became more and more and more intense. Then I finally went to the hospital. I mean, I would think that you would notice if something that hangs from your body is gone. Well, but you're wearing pants. I don't know how. I don't know how that works. Right. In that sense. (laughs) But I would assume after some point, after several hours, if you're waking up from a hangover, you're probably going to use the bathroom at some point. You know what I just realized and thought of since we were talking about this earlier? a lot of male colleagues <laughs> they're gonna listen to this episode <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of comments at work either that or explanations i'm not really sure which one uh, i mean i love either one maybe both but i mean was... knowledge is knowledge i'll take it maybe not at work well they don't have to tell you at work that's true. I hope I get comments after work. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, they'll just explain it in the comment section of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I'm scared. I'm feeling what we're going to... Uh, do you Can think I, I comment just, on what? I'm, just, I'm, I'm scared for when this episode gets up. I'm more interested in the comments on the Instagram page about them responding to this. Oh, it's going to be funny. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it now. Now, of course, this being an incredibly bizarre surgery, and of course, against someone's will, it not just made local news, it made national news. And some newspapers even claim that there was now an epidemic of ball snatching or throughout America going on. The Chicago medical community vowed to find a culprit, obviously outraged that one of their own would perform such a heinous act, as they put it. And according to the Buffalo Morning Express, the medical profession of the entire city had united to hunt out the surgeon who operated on Wozniak and will drive him out of the city if found. Stay tuned to the end to see if we found out. Now, if this was just one case, it probably would have just been gone real quick. But it wasn't just the one person. Not long after Wozniak's story broke, another man came forth claiming to have also been a victim of having his testicles illegally removed. The victim's name was Henry Johnson, who was an electrician who lived in Chicago. He was also in his early 30s. 
and also claimed to have no memory of the incident. According to his report with the police, all he remembers is that he was on a streetcar. Later, passerbys found him unconscious, unconscious, I can't see We'll just go with it. I can't say that word. In the doorway of a building. Apparently, Johnson was so deeply drugged, they couldn't wake him and took him to the hospital. And when he woke in the hospital, the doctors then told him what happened. It's a horrifying thing to wake up to. Yeah. And I think you mean the word unconscious. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. The interesting thing is, and obviously it's not like we don't think Johnson's telling the truth here. The man had no balls, but Johnson's horror happened four months before Wozniak's. But because of of the obvious nature of it, and it's 1920, he thought it was too embarrassing and obviously quite traumatizing to report it to the police. He also had no memory of it. So the, the, thought of maybe finding whoever did it to him would probably be pretty slim now according to the medical report for johnson the wound had been cleaned with an antiseptic and expertly stitched up another reason for the police and doctors to believe that this was done by an expert surgeon was that the person slicing them off was also able to do so without nicking or severing the testicular artery which can only be done with expert knowledge. Some doctor became a rotten apple. Probably got healthy at the same time. Yeah, or doctors could could be both. Does it does it go back to what's his face? You were just talking about him, the doctor that was trying it. Steinock, Voronoff, yep. or Sicard? Steinock, I think. Was it him? A Steinock lived in Vienna. Oh, okay. in Chicago. And by this time, Brinkley was bankrupt. So it wasn't him. No. Do we know who it was? Stay tuned to find out. Damn. <laughs> what do I know now? Oh, too bad. I still got more stuff to go through. Darn it. <laughs> so, obviously, after this report came out a second and third report were made to the police now the individuals who reported on this wish to remain anonymous for obvious reasons but we do know that obviously the same thing happened to them as well and just over a week later now with three known reports the nationwide circulation of the newspapers papers were now printing the same question who did this and what can be done to prevent it from happening? Because now a lot of men were like, um, how do I save my balls? If I'm being kidnapped and drugged, how am I supposed to save my balls? On October 27th, the Texahoma Times actually put this out. Where there are senile and doddering old fossils, be found unscrupulous surgeons and gland pirates willing to serve them for a share of that wealth. The manhood of our young men must be protected at all hazards and at all costs. That made it into a newspaper. I wish they would say that about women. I'm veering off topic again, sorry. (laughs) 
Oh, that wasn't what that help was for. It was the, the, the sentence, but yeah. That's a whole different topic. That we will probably never get into on this podcast. I don't think I want to. It's not something I want to get into on this podcast either, but yeah. it'd be nice if there was a little integrity there for that, but. A little equality on that end. There ain't equality in business. Anywho, now we now know of three and four incidences of this happening. The Los Angeles Daily Times reported about a month later on November 23rd of 1923 of two victims of ball theft, and these happened in Chicago within 36 hours of each other. The first victim was 28-year-old John Powell. He was actually in the hospital after a mysterious attack in which he said to have been mutilated by gland pirates. Again, a great name. And the other victim was Charles Reem, who claimed to have been taken off the street by two men in a large touring car, chloroformed and taken to a deserted prairie near 92nd Street, where the operation was performed. Now, at the moment, the police were talking to a local Again, I tell to testicle rejuvenation theories. They were talking to a local doctor who specialized in this named Dr. V.D. Lespinas. And after these last two victims, the Chicago police began to question Lespinas's recent patient, a man named Henry Barish, uh, Bar Barichter, Sorry. And the conversation was actually made public and printed in the St. Louis Star later on. And it says Henry Barichter, 48, president of the Park Avenue Confectionery Company of St. Louis, was questioned yesterday by Police Lieutenant Michael Grady in the gland theft of from Charles Rehm, a Chicago University student. Barrichter underwent an operation for rejuvenation Thursday, the day after Rehm was attacked, chloroformed and mutilated. However, the police said that today they were satisfied he had nothing to do with Rehm's case. Because apparently, some of the attacks took place a day or two after, I'm sorry, a day or two before some of uh, the doctor's patients were having their rejuvenation theory. So there was a little suspicion going on there. Rightfully so. Now, in his own defense, Lefanas told the detectives that their suspicions were completely misplaced. And in fact, not only did he arrange for the unfortunate act did he not arrange, sorry, for the unfortunate act of the two men the days before that he performed testicle rejuvenation theory, but he also insisted that he had no need because according to the doctor, men were lining up to sell their testicles to him voluntarily. He specifically quoted as saying, it is foolish for the police to entertain suspicion that a reputable surgeon would resort to theft in order to obtain glands for transplantations. Four or five men a day present themselves at the doors of this hospital willing to sell their glands for really small amounts of money, sometimes four or even five dollars. I don't think, I mean, four or five dollars in 1923 still wasn't a whole lot. I guess it got you by for a little bit. But at what cost? Do we really think four to five men a day are willing to have their balls surgically removed for rich old men? I don't think so. Not today, no, no. 
I can't say back then either. I still highly doubt it. Now, here's a little side note to end this story off with, because I always have to have a little extra something at the end, right? Of course you do. Of course I do. Reem was so obviously upset about having his balls illegally stolen from him. He kept campaigning for compensation, but obviously there was no one to compensate because to this day, the case remains unsolved. But he found people he thought might have stolen his glands. And his continual claim for compensation for his assault, it kind of went in a really unexpected way. Do you know, if I say the crime of the century, which happened in the 1920s, if I say crime of the century, do you know what I'm referring to? No. You probably do, just not very, not, not necessarily by that title. Oh, probably you're going to have to be more specific. I'm going to be soft specific. <laughs> soft specific. <laughs> so the crime of the century was the case of Leopold and Loeb. Uh, yes, and they were actually murderers who murdered a, I think it was a 14 year old boy, I think to get insurance money. That was their, their, their big thing. They weren't serial killers. They were murderers, but they weren't serial killers, but it was a really big case and some well-known people. But essentially, Leopold and Loeb were really, really rich, bored, trust fund kids for the most part. And anyway, Reem took to following the story of Leopold and Loeb, showed up at the courts where the trial was held, and exclaimed frequently that those were the men responsible for cutting off his balls. According to the LA Times, Charles Ream, 22 years of age, of 5217 Dorchester Avenue, a taxi cab driver, positively identified Loeb as one of the two men who last fall kidnapped him at 54th Street and Dorchester Avenue, forced him into their automobile, and drove him to a prairie at 109th Street and Avenue G, where they performed a gland operation on him. He said that the other kidnapper looked like the pictures of Leopold. Reem never got compensation. Leopold and Loeb were never connected to these bland pirates. And to this day, as I mentioned, the cases remain unsolved. There's, we, we don't have answers. No, but also I given- hoping, I was hoping we knew which doctor it was, but we don't. I mean, I'm disappointed. Don't be disappointed in me. I wasn't in charge of the cases back then. I'm not on the police force. I'm disappointed, Melissa. I'm disappointed, okay? Just deal with the face of disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna be, I'm disappointed that you couldn't research this far enough and couldn't go back in time. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Aren't you supposed to be the detective? I mean, yeah. I mean, between the two of us, you would be the detective. Yes, yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't know what I'd be, but sure as heck isn't a detective. I'd be Holmes and you'd be Watson. Oh, yeah, I'd be the one whispering in your ear. Watson whispered in Holmes's ear? Sometimes. He'd also just be there. You'd be my biographer. As I type up your life story. 
And I'm sure you've learned a few medical things from your dad. So it, you could technically be Watson. Very little. Yes, I know. It's not your the medical fortune. field is not my specialty. And I had very little enjoyment in learning anything about it unless it had to do with actual bones. Yes. Forensic anthropology if, is fantastic. If you were living, I wanted nothing to do with you medically. Me neither. If you were dead, much more interesting. Yes. But you had to be long dead. Like there's no flesh left. See, I wouldn't have no problem. Well, I, I mean, obviously I've never been to an actual autopsy. I would love to, to view one, but sure. I don't think I would have a problem with an autopsy. I probably would just have a problem with the smell, but I think eventually you get used to it. But no, it just, I cannot, uh, watching, I don't like being in hospitals, let alone being operated on. I mean, I will if I need to, but no, thanks. I, no, I'm good. But also in terms of Leopold Loeb, they had no medical training whatsoever. There was no way they were going to be connected to those cases. Oi, that's all I can say. <laughs> but that is the tale of the great testicle thieves of Chicago in the 1920s. Horrifying. Very. But that's all I've got for today. What do you, you got anything left? No, I think this is still just sinking into my brain. Yeah. All right. The, ra- the random weird history stuff that just comes across my new speed. Like I said, I love it. it it's just in general. Just step. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, wait for to hear what your coworkers say about it. Again, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be stopped in the hall. I don't want to discuss this at work. <laughs> ever if you're listening to this you better be listening all the way to the end to know that this is not a topic of a discussion that is allowed in the halls of the workplace ever just make your comments on the instagram or the review section okay that's it or email maybe we'll share it online though if, if you do send us some comments we'll be happy to share it if you want us to sure but uh, I'm going to end it here now because I don't think I can listen to much more. Uh, we should probably cut it off. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, that'll do it for uh, this episode of History Explains It All. And uh, we hope to see you next week as we trek through history to explain it all. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>